0: Good morning. It's 830 on Thursday, March 5th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the governor introduces a new director for the Department of Human Services. And a state-level task force is announced to combat the threat of COVID-19. Then, in today's book club, it's Women's History Month. And in that spirit, we celebrate Eudora Welche's talents, not for her writing, but for her photography. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Weeks after a former director of the Mississippi Department of Human Services and five others were arrested for fraud, Governor Tate Reeves has appointed a new head to the agency. During a press conference this week, Reeves addressed the alleged corruption at the department and introduced its new director.
1: Since the alleged abuse of the Department of Human Services was uncovered, there have been leaders there working to restore trust in the department. I'm grateful for and I am proud of their work. More importantly, they've been working to ensure that the department honors its true mission. We all have a moral obligation to care for our state's most vulnerable citizens. We have a duty to lend a hand to those who are in need. Allegedly, that call did not just go unanswered in the department. It was actively undermined for personal profit and power. That must be dealt with quickly and justly. We eagerly await the conclusion of the investigative work that the auditor is doing so that we can understand the full scope of this alleged conspiracy. For our part, we will work to ensure that the department provides that hand up to those in need. We are working to honor that mission. It will take a capable leader with integrity, bringing fresh eyes to this issue. I believe that we have found that man, Bob Anderson. Bob has decades of experience dealing with white-collar crime and fraud. He is a former federal prosecutor, including prosecuting health care fraud, as well as serving as a special prosecutor with the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. He has also served for several years leading the Public Integrity Division of the previous Attorney General's Office of Mississippi. He recently served as the Chief Integrity Officer for the Mississippi Division of Medicaid, and he is currently the Director of the Medicaid Fraud Control Unit in our new Attorney General's Office. Bob has put powerful people who abuse their positions in jail. There is no one more capable to root out any remnants of the misdeeds of the past and ensure that corruption never infects this department again. He is uniquely qualified to help the department return to its original calling, truly helping provide resources for Mississippians in poverty to live lives of purpose, dignity, and meaning.
0: Bob Anderson will replace John Davis, who was indicted on charges connected to over $4 million in stolen TANF funds. Anderson tells MPB's Kobe Vance he wants to conduct a performance audit to locate problems within the agency.
2: Absolutely excited. Yeah, this is a, this is a, a challenge, but it's, it's a challenge I'm looking forward to. Uh, obviously, with an agency that's in the midst of having a former director under indictment, that uh, that's a little bit daunting, but I'm a former prosecutor. I've dealt with indictments for 30 years, and so I, I think my, my skill set is equal to the task of, of sorting out if we have any other bad actors at the agency, and if not, let's get on with doing the work of the people.
3: Is there anything that you would like to see, uh, I guess, for going forward, is there any like, major changes you'd like to see uh, made in the department?
2: Well, I think one of the things that led to the current problems were a lack of transparency and accountability at the top, and I'm going to be as transparent and as accountable to the people and to the governor as absolutely possible. And I think, you know, uh, integrity is about transparency.
3: They go hand in hand. Are there any programs that stand out to you as something you want to uh, try to improve as you go forward?
2: You know, I'm, I, I'm familiar with all the programs, but I am not intimately familiar with any of them at this point. I think the work that we're doing in child support is wonderful work for the state. You know, providing for children, uh, the child support that that their parents owe them. Uh, I don't see anything that needs to be changed there. I think uh, there was a question in the press conference regarding uh, block grants. I think we need to take a close look at how we're doing block grants, as opposed to maybe. Uh, direct assistance and that 's something i 'll be looking at closely
3: and then uh, going into a department that 's obviously being investigated right now, um, are there any concerns you have about going forward uh, and trying to uncover some of the some of the i, I guess uh, darker parts of the agency
2: yeah that 'll be the immediate challenge is is essentially doing a top to bottom review uh, more, sort of a performance audit of my own about who who are the real producers in the agency and who are the problems and uh, i've done that for years as an investigator. you know prosecutors depend on investigations and i've directed investigations for 25 years so this is just a different kind of investigation but i feel comfortable with that process
3: and is there anything else you'd like to tell mississippians that uh, that may not know anything about that may not know much about you and you just want to introduce yourself as well to them
2: yeah, uh, as I mentioned briefly, my background is I grew up on the coast. Uh, I'm a uh, my mother. After my folks divorced, my mom worked at English Shipbuilding, uh, able to provide for us, able to allow me the opportunity to go to Millsap College and then work my way through law school. Uh, I think that speaks uh, enough about me. I have a strong work ethic. I do. My wife tells me I work too hard, work too many hours, but. Uh, I work as many hours as it takes to get the work done, and I think that's that's what's expected.
3: And then uh, what, uh, I guess to kind of round out the conversation, what what made you say yes to the job? What's, uh, what's fired you up about this?
2: Well, uh, when the call came and they said we're looking for someone who is above reproach and whose integrity is unquestioned and your name came up, it's kind of hard to say no when you get a, a call like that. So that got me fired up, that they were looking at my character, my integrity, asking me to lead this agency forward based on who I am. And that, that always gets me
3: fired up. What do you, where do you want to see the agency go in the next few years?
2: Well, I mean, I, I think the agency's uh, doing good work in many, many areas. I, I think the mission of the agency is obviously to do the most we can for the most vulnerable in this state, and I want us to keep doing that to the best of our ability thank you very much for your time. Thank you.
0: Bob Anderson is the newly appointed director of the Department of Human Services. Coming up, a state-level task force is announced to combat the threat of COVID-19. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. When your kids are too young to drive, they still have to get places. Lots of places. So you spend lots of time in your car or SUV driving them to those places. Thank goodness for MPB Think Radio. While you're waiting in the pickup and drop-off line with the of other parents, you have fresh air, Southern Remedy, Morning Edition, Everyday Tech, and a host of other MPB programs to keep you company. Go to mpbonline.org to find out what's on and when. You take care of the kids, we'll take care of you at MPB Think Radio.
2: I'm Allison Walker, the Lady Auto Mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org.
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The U.S. death toll from the coronavirus has risen to 11, with the victims succumbing in California, the first reported fatality outside Washington state. The U.S. House of Representatives has passed an $8.3 billion spending bill to address the spread of the virus, including discretionary funds to boost vaccine development. At the state level, Governor Tate Reeves has issued an executive order creating a task force comprised chiefly of officials from the State Health Department and the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. Reeves called this action a priority and appointed Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs to lead the new response steering committee.
1: There is no higher priority than ensuring the health and safety of all who call Mississippi home, and we are taking this threat seriously. Just a couple of days ago, I was on a call with Vice President Pence, senior administration officials, and governors across the nation to discuss the administration's joint efforts with the states to combat the coronavirus. The Trump administration understands that states and local governments are standing on the front lines of the virus, working tirelessly to ensure the health and safety of Americans. President Trump wisely selected Vice President Pence, a former governor with expertise in emergency preparedness to coordinate this nationwide effort and I'm truly grateful for the vice president's offers of assistance should the need arise in Mississippi. When it comes to our response and preparation here in Mississippi, we have an outstanding team at the Mississippi State Department of Health led by Dr. Thomas Dobbs. We couldn't be in better hands. Not only has Dr. Dobbs served for many years at the State Department of Health, previously as district health officer and state epidemiologist. He holds a master's in public health and is board certified in internal medicine and infectious diseases. And prior to joining the Department of Health, he worked as an internal medicine and infectious diseases physician in both Laurel and Hattiesburg. Our team is working closely with Dr. Dobbs in the department, as well as our local and federal partners to prepare our quick response and taking every step necessary to ensure early and decisive action should the coronavirus reach Mississippi. At this time there are no confirmed cases of coronavirus in Mississippi but we must remain vigilant and continue to plan for all contingencies. We are taking action now ahead of any confirmed cases to make sure that we are ready for any potential scenario. To ensure we are prepared to take immediate action today I am signing an executive order Establishing the Mississippi Coronavirus Preparedness and Response Planning Steering Committee to be led by Dr. Dobbs. The Department of Health, in coordination with the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency, will act as lead state agency on the Steering Committee to coordinate our preparation and response activities along with other state and local agencies.
0: Dr. Thomas Dobbs he talks to Kobe Vance about how the task force will utilize past pandemic preparations to craft a response plan
4: well, in two thousand and nine when we had the h one n one pandemic, um, the Governor Barber had created a similar task force and and from the elements of that, we have this really comprehensive uh, pandemic flu response plan, but coronavirus is a little bit different than flu right There are a lot of similarities, but we need to go ahead and make sure that we have a preparedness plan and a preparedness actions that um, meet the specific needs of coronavirus. Uh, this This steering committee will allow us to pull in all the partners this, the same ones and even more that were involved in the h one n one pandemic f- flu steering committee um, but also too it's a good starting off point for us to work closely with our partners in at MEMA. We work closely with MEMA on all sorts of responses. The resources they can bring together and their expertise will really help us take this more from a you know a monitoring surveillance sort of essential um, sort of public health department health sort of action to really affect the broader elements of public health and general public health and safety.
3: So what all are what other agencies are y'all partnering with to get this done?
4: Well within the um, Gosh, there's a ton of them. I mean, it's almost all of them, like education, IHL, community colleges, DFA, um, you know, pretty much anybody who's going to be affected, uh, What you know, and and it also says and other agencies is needed. So basically, you know, what do you do to prevent a pandemic? Well, sometimes you have to work with schools, right? And you may have to do special interventions, you know, cancel mass gatherings, maybe even do school closures. So obviously, you have to have schools involved, or you need to have... um, uh, you know, IHL or community colleges, uh, it, it touches so many different things that unless we're all coordinated and sitting in the same room together, making sure we're on the same page, we're going to have a suboptimal response.
3: And now, uh, if I heard Governor, Governor Reeves right, uh, he said there's a case in uh, Georgia right now. Um, what are the concerns there? Well, you
4: know, we've been watching closely uh, every time we get a case a little bit geographically closer, right? There were some in Florida a couple days ago and now in Georgia. You know, we're not really surprised. Uh, it, I think it's just an indication that it's getting that you know that, that much closer to us. But but everyone really should just reinforce that there's things that you can do. That everything that everybody has a role. Um, you know, hygiene, stay away from sick people. If you're sick, please stay home from work. We don't want to spread any sort of infection, influenza, coronavirus, or otherwise. Um, and then there's things communities can do, and there are things that communities, schools, businesses, everyone can do to prepare. Um, if a school is closed. Or if a daycare is closed, what are you going to do with your kids? Be thinking ahead, what you would do if something happens, and we have to, you know, look at some of these more advanced measures.
3: And as far as that, uh, those measures go, does the state have any policy based around uh, if people are sick and they can't go to work um, that the? That their work should let them take off, or is anything like that uh, that's in, that's in place?
4: Yeah, so certainly that's not really in our our power. Although we do recommend that businesses have uh, you know employee friendly policies as a regard as regards to making sure that they can uh, not only take off when they're ill, because um, you know sometimes it's it's somewhat uh, disadvantageous for for people if they're you know don't have paid sick leave, um, but also work from home options. You know we're such an electronic world now uh, finding mechanisms for people to do work from home we have work from home policies like in most state agencies so um, if we have to we can you know either because you're ill or just not ill enough not to work or if um, we're trying to prevent transmission for non-essential personnel um, there's a lot that can be done
3: to help mitigate the spread. And as far as people that are overreacting and underreacting where should people be right now?
4: Um, Aware and and somewhat concerned but also taking charge of it, right, because it doesn't help you to worry. It it helps you to prepare. It helps you to know. Um, Certainly get information from credible sources, right? Um, don't if, if there's something sensational in social media it's probably not true so please verify it um, you know we're, we're getting information out there as, as quickly as, as it can as, as it can be stay well informed from good sources um, there's great resources at CDC's website and the health department you know go to those everyone should be looking at that to see what they can do to um, you know in case they have a sick family member who has coronavirus in case they have to miss work or you know in case it's in their community we want everybody to know what's going to be happening this this task
3: force how do you think it's going to be helping mississippi
4: well it it, it's not only going to help us for this response um it's going to help us um uh, for the next one too it will help us go ahead and get partners together that if we do need to activate our emergency operations as far as the pandemic response plan and we probably will um at at some point we're already pre-positioned to sort of pull the trigger on a lot of the actions that we know will prevent spread and help the public
0: Dr. Thomas Dobbs is the health officer for the Department of Health and leads the Mississippi Coronavirus Response Steering Committee. Coming up in today's book club, we celebrate Eudora Welty's talents, not for her writing, but for her photographs. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
5: Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit MPBonline.org slash cartag. We'll see you on the road.
0: Eudora Welty is indisputably one of Mississippi's best writers, but she had an equal passion and talent for photography. In 1989, a book of her photographs was released by Mississippi's University Press. It has been the biggest selling book for the press ever since, and now there's a new edition. It's called simply Eudora Welty Photographs. Her niece, Mary Alice White, tells us about Welty's view behind the lens.
5: She was toying both with photography and writing. She was sending manuscripts off, and she was also taking pictures. She initially thought she could produce a book of her photographs, and this was, oh, I'd say in the 30s, and I think it was ahead of her time, so to speak. But she was in New York, and she saw a gallery, and they had an exhibition of an amateur photographer. So she went in, and she showed the owner some of her Pictures and he made some suggestions. She went back, she developed many of her pictures and worked on some of these pictures using the gallery owner's suggestions. He, in 1936, did have a showing of her photographs. She was always taking pictures during the Depression. She worked for the WPA, the Works Progress Administration. And she was a junior publicity agent, and she said she had the title junior because she was a female. She didn't take pictures for the WPA, but while she was traveling around, she was always just taking snapshots, as she called them. And she always saved these snapshots. And these snapshots became the basis for several photography books. She's recognized as an excellent photographer as well as an excellent writer. She was just
0: a very talented person. This book is very eclectic in what is displayed. She photographed people and places. Did she have a preference? She liked both. As she traveled around, she always said she just took photos
5: spontaneously. She never posed people. She just said, oh, just keep on doing what you're doing. And she liked people and she was interested in their expression or the way they stood her photographs show compassion i mean i can remember looking at the book of photographs with her this was after the first 89 there's a wonderful picture it's called a woman of the 30s and she would just talk about how much she loved that picture and she said look at this lady how strong she appears you can see the strength in her face and um, how even though her letter was tattered. She just had this inner strength that just showed through. it. She took pictures of landscapes, buildings or scenes
0: in New York, New Orleans. So she was always just snapping pictures. Looking through the pages of this book, turning the page and you'd see a face of someone. Right. And just that photo, it seemed like it told so much about that person in one photograph because often they were close up, someone looking directly into the camera or maybe in profile But just such a strong sense of who that person might have been. Exactly. And capturing the reality of the state, but with a compassionate eye. As you say, each had a story, and you can kind of see it in her pictures. It was first released in 1989, so now we're 30 years later. What's different about this version, this recently released version?
5: First, it includes 16 new images. Many of these images have not been published, and... Some have never really been seen. And some were just favorites. Several of us who got together Todd Lake at University Press, Forrest Gailey at the Department of Archives and History, Suzanne Mars, Eudora Welty Scholar, and myself. But we found ourselves kind of drawn to these first pictures she exhibited at the Lejeune Gallery in 1936. And half of the images are those. And I think part of the reason we were drawn to them because we knew. Eudora had selected them, and so she must have liked them. Some of them were just our favorites. Carrying the ice for Sunday dinner, view from the Ferris wheel. So that's one difference, but another big difference is the clarity of the images. In 1989, technology was not where it is today. The images, both in 89 and the most recent edition, were printed and produced from Eudora's original negatives, but the advancement in technology, the clarity and the detail you can
0: see in this new edition. It's just amazing. Eudora Welty photographs from the University Press. I want to thank you so much for being with us, Mary Alice White, who is Eudora Welty's niece and involved in so many ways of moving her works forward. Thank you so much for being with us.
5: Thank you. I enjoyed visiting with you.